Well, guys, I knew this day would come. It finally happened. TikTok banned my original TikTok account. I know a lot of you guys followed me from TikTok. So if you haven't seen a TikTok from me in quite a while, that's why. You can now follow me on my new TikTok account, at ComeOnManPod. That's all one word, at ComeOnManPod. Please follow me. Help me rebuild. I was at almost 30,000 followers when they kicked me off their platform. So come on, follow me back. I certainly appreciate it. Thank you. What's up, everybody? You are listening to Come On, Man a 3% man podcast. I'm your host, Paul Bauer, and I am on the road to being a 3% man just like you. If you're new to the show, this is a podcast for fellow students of Corey Wayne's book, How to Be a 3% Man, and for men who just want to be better in general. We talk about dating, gaining wealth, being happy, and using the law of attraction to get everything we want in life. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Come On, Man. If you are listening on iTunes or on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review. It helps more than you know. Otherwise, if you are listening on other platforms, be sure to subscribe. And if they have a way to review us, (laughs) please give us a good review on there as well. If you are watching on YouTube, not only should you subscribe, but you should also hit those notifications so that you get notified whenever there's a new episode, which is every Monday. All right. This week, I have an interesting episode. I have the second ever woman to grace the presence of the Come On Man podcast. I have the Morgan May. Uh, She is an up-and-coming TikTok star. She has some very compelling TikTok videos. She is a former feminist. She is a former vegan. She's gone completely in the other spectrum. It's actually pretty fascinating. She's sort of red-pilled now. She's, uh, yeah, she's a she's an interesting individual, so I had to get her on the podcast. So I will bring you that conversation right after these words. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm not sure what you're doing tonight, but what I'm doing involves a bottle of Carvassier and a lady. Well, maybe not the Carvassier, but definitely a lady. If you're like me, you're tired of expensive, girly-smelling colognes from expensive department stores. You don't want to smell like a little bitch. You want to smell like a friggin' man. That's why I've partnered with Duke Cannon. Duke Cannon has a wide range of men's grooming products that actually smell manly as hell. My personal favorites are their Naval Supremacy Bar Soap and all of their awesome smelling colognes that women love. I have several of their colognes for different days of the week, but my Saturday night cologne is Grant because it gets the job done, if you know what I mean. Right now, if you visit duke.comeonmanpod.com, you get free shipping on orders over $25. Using duke.comeonmanpod.com tells them I sent you and you get free shipping. Win-win. Again, that's duke.comeonmanpod.com. Don't smell like a little bitch. All right, this week I'm joined by a very interesting woman. She focuses on cultural analysis, self-mastery, and challenging the status quo. She's also pro-woman, but an anti-feminist. Her name is Morgan May. How's it going, Morgan? It's going well, Paul. How are you? (laughs) Doing good. So I... Obviously got that opening bit from your website, themorganmay.com, but uh, we talked about this a little bit offline. Um, Oh, no, we didn't talk about this part offline, but uh, what does it mean by challenging the status quo? What are you challenging exactly? So I feel like um, in the, in popular culture and kind of mainstream narrative, there's kind of a really big bias 
one direction you know like if you're if you don't identify as a feminist it's kind of shocking if you speak out against veganism you hate animals you know if you if you're vocal about your viewpoints that kind of deter from the mainstream you know you're kind of looked at crazy and so that's the status quo it's like whatever the mainstream is wherever you know the establishment is kind of taking everyone I'm just kind of challenging some of those ideologies and doing it from a place of personal experience kind of having been in the ideologies for years and years and and now kind of out of them got it yeah okay yeah I try not to get too political on on the the podcast but I mean it's pretty clear I think everyone would agree that the like mainstream media, the, the news, you know, television, everything like that definitely leans pretty left on everything, <laughs> pretty yeah. much everything. So, yeah. yeah. So if you're, um, and, the, and the funny thing is too, like, cause I like to consider myself like an actual feminist, right? Like I feel like if a woman can physically do something that a man does, and she really wants to do it, she should have every opportunity to do it. I don't think that, uh, like for instance, like with police departments and fire departments where they've had standards for years, standards that are set there because lives are on the line, that those standards should be minimized for women just to accommodate women so that Mm -hmm. everyone can be hashtag equality. Cause then it's not equal. I then. totally agree. Yeah. yeah. It, it just, it defeats the purpose of having those to begin with. Like you said, like lives on the line. Why yeah. would you want to kind of bend, bend that if it could potentially put someone at, at risk? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and then I'm sure there's plenty of women out there that are like crazy buff and uh, you know, can deadlift 300 pounds that could easily <laughs> do those challenges. And if that's what they want to do, then I feel like they should be able to do it. But I feel like the, what, is currently being defined as feminism is m- less about equality and more about hating men. Would you, would you agree? Yeah, I do agree. And I, I'm kind of in alignment with you. I mean, I think every human should have equal access to all other humans. Like there should be no barrier to entry. If like you said, if a woman wants to do, you know, something very physically strenuous, she should absolutely be given that opportunity. But I have a problem with is, um, the kind of narrative behind feminism. It's not just hating men. I mean, that is totally a symptom and that's kind of like um, this covert emotional manipulation that kind of happens throughout all the narratives, but they really tell women that unless you're doing or pursuing the same things that men pursue or have pursued historically, we're not equal to them. So unless we're, you know, vying to be CEOs and unless we're, you know, playing in these historically boys clubs, which is fine if you want to do it, but like we're, this whole word equality really bothers me to begin with. It's like comparing apples and oranges. Are they equal? Like, yes, they're both fruits, but like, do you have a completely different flavor profiles? Like they're complimentary in a fruit salad. Like they're not the same, you know what I mean? So it's this whole word in general, I have, I have a problem with, but, um, but yeah, I have a problem with feminism selling this idea that unless we're doing all the things that men are doing, putting women in the context of men, that we're not equal to them, which is just like BS. I really like, I like the the fruit salad analogy. Yeah, I just came up with that. that Genius. Yeah, I've never heard it put that way before. So, (laughs) so, uh, so I mentioned your blog, uh, themorganmay.com. You haven't written on your blog in a while though. And I think your last post was at the end of December. And then same with your YouTube channel, which is interesting because you really don't have a lot on your YouTube channel, but you already have like way more YouTube followers than I do. Like, ouch, you know, but. uh... (laughs) I had a secret life in college where I posted makeup videos. Oh, okay. it was from like 2009, 10. Like I just did it sporadically um, and grew a little following. And then I privated all of them and put up some anti-vegan stuff. Okay, smart. It's very much like what I did with my my uh, Twitter account for the Uh, for the podcast. I I was in uh, a bunch of like conservative groups on Twitter, mm -hmm. and uh, it this is kind of just a inside baseball thing on like how conservative activists act on Twitter, but they, they get together in these little groups and they call them rooms and they sit there and retweet each other's tweets. 
and they end up like putting each other on what they call follow trains and stuff like that. Oh, and it's, it becomes this huge community and you just amass like tons of followers. So on my Twitter mm-hmm. account, I have like, I don't know, 20,000 Twitter followers, but they're all from that. And then when I kind of, I kind of was like, you know what, politics is just really negative. I want to get out of that. I changed that account to be for the podcast. And so I still had all those followers. Oh, yes. We were working for it back then. Same same kind of thing. Why give up all those followers when they're already there? Yeah, clout. But you've already built up. But you you sort of uh, gave up on the YouTube channel a little bit, seems like, in the blog. And uh, so you just decided to pivot and move towards more of TikTok then? Yeah, I, um, I've never, I, first of all, consistency is like my Achilles heel, just as a human being, I need to like stay very, very disciplined if I want to keep up with something. But the thing is with blogs and YouTube, it's not, you don't get like immediate gratification, like you're you're putting out work and only a very few people are seeing it. So I think it um, inhibited me from really wanting to put stuff out there. because it was kind of like, for what is it in vain? Is it just for my creative process? Um, which is great. I mean, I, I love writing and, and I, I had a, this feeling that I had to just share my vegan story there at the time. There were a lot of like ex vegans kind of coming forward on YouTube. And I wanted to be part of that conversation. Um, but TikTok was a total game changer for my, like how I make a living is with marketing. And so I've been on the pulse of all these new kind of ways that people are growing their audience and different strategies and whatnot. And I've been hearing so much about it. Um, but I'd always had a really bad taste in my mouth about it just because I just thought of it was like 14 year olds dancing. Um, but then I heard Gary Vaynerchuk talking about it. And I was like, if Gary Vaynerchuk is talking about TikTok. I need to really consider, consider it. And so I spent some time on the app as we do just falling in like TikTok chaos <laughs> for hours. And, um, and then I responded, I literally had made some content cause I just like wanted to experiment with that kind of style. And the one video that I made where I was in like a greasy, messy bun, no makeup, like turtleneck, like not cute. I just, it was like a stitch. It was a girl asked like, what would you, what piece of knowledge would you have wanted to bestow on like your younger self basically? Mm. And I made a response to that and it like, it didn't blow up. I mean, it blew up for where I was at, but it got a ton of traction and a ton of comments. And it was inspiring to keep like the conversation going. I was really compelled by the comments and you know, I had things to say about, about the topic. So that's kind of how it started. Yeah. I think I found your TikTok because, um, people randomly tag me in mm-hmm. everybody all sorts of TikToks and, uh, they'll just like, and you were talking about, uh, red pill guys mm-hmm. and you were saying something like, okay, red pill guys, tell me this, you don't like guy or you don't like women because they're gold diggers and they're hypergamous and stuff like that. But at the same time, if a woman wants to, you know, have those traditional values or something, it was something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And, and I, someone tagged me at that. And I was just like, mm, yeah, I mean, she's brings up a very good point. <laughs> like, I, what, what, do we, what do you want me to say here? I, I mean, you, there, you can't have it both ways sometimes. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I think in in any ideology, I I there are some components of red pill that I I validate. Like the there's a lot of natural order to it. Like I don't discount the entire thing. I think some people like any ideology take it very far. It feels very woman hating sometimes. It feels just like dark and like mm. there's a lot of pain there. But but for the most part, um, yeah, I think in any ideology you'll find contradictions. Feminism just has a ton of contradictions. Red pill, I find, has a ton of contradictions, and I see it in my comments when people respond. It's like I'm constantly just getting qualitative insights, qualitative data to kind of um, keep my pulse on on those communities. Um, so yeah, I think I think men men are shamed for their dating standards, but I think women it's more accepted that women have to be beautiful and then that incites male attraction. But whenever women talk about finances at all, it's like so shameful. And you would think that like a community rooted in things like natural order and biology and whatever would be more accepting of, you know, prioritizing finances, but they're not, you know, they're not accepting of that either. It's like, um, so yeah, I was just making commentary on that. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because I've read, I've read some red pill books. I agree with some of it, you know, some of it, 
I don't. I, I feel like it's uh, more complicated than they l- make it out to be. But oh, the thing, good. the thing I find is the the men that find red pill books, like they'll read um, the Rational Male, for instance, by Rolo Tomasi, which is a good book, but it's very cynical. And if you've just had your heart ripped out, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna read that book and it. go, all women are evil, <laughs> and yeah. that's really not the that's really not the uh, intent of some of these red pill authors, right? They, their intent is, this is how women are. This is the natural order of things. This is how you become a better person so that you attract women better, right? Like that's- That I'm all for, literally right. a thousand percent all that's, for that. But that's not how some of these guys look at it. They look at it like, oh, women are just gold diggers and I might as well just fucking give up and all women are evil. And I'm like- for those guys, uh, especially like the MGTOW guys, are you familiar with MGTOW? Yes. I, I, I do videos all the time and they, they, they get a lot of traction and it's all the MGTOW guys just justifying why they're quitters. And I'm like, yeah. don't get mad guys, get better, you know? And then they get all pissed at me and I'm like, mm. <laughs> no, it's, it's so true. And I think that's a common thread I see with feminism. It's like all men are trash or MGTOW. We're not dating women anymore. It's like, guys, where is the personal accountability? Like if you're, I, uh, for many years where I was attracting just awful men. And then I took a look at myself and I was like, why am I the one that's a common denominator in all of this? And what can I do to improve myself? Cause we're the only things that we have control over. You're not going to change all women. I'm not going to change all men, let alone like men's nature. Like I have to work with it as a woman and like, you know, use it to my benefit, try to figure out how to improve myself so that I can benefit from it but I think yeah I'll, there's a lot of victim victimy mentalities I see and uh it's a lot of anger at like what you know it's like all women like okay <laughs> right <laughs> or all They're, men you it, know it's, it's like, essentially half the planet's population you're just gonna be mad at all of them yeah like, like I just don't, it, yeah, it's, it's ridiculous I, I have to ask you I keep hearing mm-hmm. chirping in the background do you have a bird I don't have a bird but I have a bunch of trees around my building and okay. they're very loud birds. I'm sorry. If it's <laughs> no, it's coming a- into your podcast. It's like, they wake me up. It's but- okay. I'm sure someone's going to ask about like, what the, is that a bird in the background? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. Guys. Yeah. Those are birds in the background. Enjoy the, the sounds of nature. Just <laughs> serenaded you behind uh, anti-feminist rhetoric. So, so you're, I mean, your story is, is, is fascinating to me. And that's one of the reasons why I reached out and asked you to come on the podcast. So you did this video and you already mentioned it a little bit, uh, but you did a video a year ago about switching from being a vegan to a carnivore. You also used to be a feminist and, and, and uh, now you're not like, why such drastic paradigm shifts? Like what was, what was the catalyst to make you like, I guess, <laughs> I guess the term isn't woke, right? Because woke is going in the other <laughs> like direction. Anti-woke yeah, why, yeah how are you, why'd you go back to sleep? I guess. No, yeah. I don't know. It's, <laughs> um so funny well I mean first of all I'm just I am a pretty extreme person so like I've always I've never really been in the middle of things like maybe when you know a part of my story is I was on medication that kind of doled me out maybe during that time I was more like I just didn't care I was more apathetic I wasn't very curious but in general I've always been like deeply feeling deeply passionate like just very extreme kind of black and white um but the, the story is that I, um, when I was 17, I was put on um, psychotropic medication. Um, and it's, it's an important part of the story because one in four women today are on these mind altering meds, whether it's Adderall or antidepressants, it's kind of this like hidden force. It's like, no one is outright talking about it. It's all behind your cabinet in your purse. You take it in the bathroom. Like it's just this behind the scenes influence that has control over like 25% of the female population. Um, and men too, I, you know, I, I just met a guy um, last week who's getting off of meds. So it's kind of this, it, it's, it's crucial because the minute I got off of them, I was on them for 10 years. One day I woke up and I was like, maybe I don't need these anymore. A couple of things had happened in my life, tapered down off of them uh, in the span of 11 months. And once I got off of everything, including like a 12 day Adderall meth withdrawal, it was just horrific. I was kind of like, what, 
what just happened. And not only was I withdrawing, but I was using CBD, like a hemp based CBD to help me withdrawal, help me with these like literal meth withdrawal symptoms. And I was like, how is it that a doctor has prescribed this medication to me for 10 years legally? And this plant that's shrouded in so much controversy and it's basically illegal, like it's barely legal. Hemp is barely legal, just like healed me and got me out of this like awful state. And it, it literally like broke my brain. And I was like, well, if this was a lie, if they told me like I needed these pills my whole life, if I wanted to be productive, but they only made me worse. And then this plant just like healed me. What are the implications of that? And like, what else kind of is a lie? Um, so it started, it started me just questioning everything, questioning all of my belief structures, not all at once. It was like very kind of one after the other over the span of maybe three or so years. Veganism was the last thing to kind of go. Um, but uh, feminism was like before that and, you know, big pharma, the government <laughs> before that, just a lot of um, awakenings about the, the truth of things. And it's because I think I'm more extreme and I'm not afraid of like the truth and like if even if it's ugly or even if it means I was wrong for 10, 15, 20 years. Um, and it, since doing that, I mean, it's brought me just so, I can't even tell you I'm like the most peaceful and happy and like centered and like authentic version of myself today. So now I'm talking about it on the internet. <laughs> no, I got it. So yeah, I feel like, I feel like so, psychotropic drugs are, are a little over-prescribed nowadays. It's almost like, oh, it's almost like doctors give them out like candy. And, oh. uh, and it, it, I feel like, uh, again, uh, we're going down a, a political rabbit hole here, but uh, there was just a, a mass shooting, right? In, uh, mm -hmm. in Colorado here. That's where I live. I live in Colorado. And um, so now everyone's like talking about, you know, gun control and stuff like that, but no one really talks about how a lot of these mass shootings occur with and the shooters are on these types of psychotropic drugs oh they don't, absolutely doesn't it's, go with the narrative no i mean big pharma has so much money like <laughs> even if people did want to talk about it they wouldn't be talking about it um but yeah it's it's this like thing that no one is openly talking about mainstream media won't touch it and it's i mean it's school shooters absolutely but there's there's so there's so much calamity with psychotropic meds i mean relationships peril when people are put on them like i i had an incident when i stopped taking them you know abruptly when i was 17 like there's just when you're putting kids on them especially like developing brains it's yeah um thankfully you know it's 2021 when i was put on them i didn't even know about holistic psychiatry or plants or any any alternatives basically to mental health um, but there are a lot that are available now. So I think that that conversation is definitely one I've seen being had. Yeah, definitely. You also, so in, in, uh, our DM conversation on TikTok, mm -hmm. and I think also you've done a couple of videos on it now. You also talk about birth control. Yeah. Like, impacting, uh, how women like, feel. cause I mean, it, it impacts your, your, um, your hormones, right? Everything. Yeah. I mean, I, I was also on birth control. I went off of it in 2013 and I was still on so many other meds that I don't even know how it really impacted me. And I was so kind of unconscious, but, um, I, I now have, I think four women in my life that I kind of influenced to get off of birth control and they all have wild stories. Like one of them was very much masculine, like in her masculine, like rock climbing, like, and I was having this like femininity awakening when we were kind of friends and hanging out. And it, we were so diametrically opposed. I kind of influenced her to, to get her IUD taken out, which, which she had had, you know, she'd been on birth control, I think she said since she was like 14 or something. And right after that, he, having a huge femininity awakening in her body, dealing with trauma, like birth control makes women like men. It, it creates a male fertility cycle in women. A men's, man's fertility cycle is a flat line. Like you guys have a 24 hour cycle, but it's the same every single day. You don't vary day to day. I mean, your, your job is to propagate the species. So it should be like on point every day. Ours is cyclical. We're like cyclical seasonal creatures and like every week is different every day is different and that's the whole point and and it's it's um what connects us to our femininity and like our nature as women so i mean i've had um 
friends say that they're attracted to much different men. I have uh, another girlfriend. She is just like a rock star in her career in finance and just kills it. She's like a founder of a crypto company and she got off of birth control and she was like, I'm kind of glad that I was on it. Cause I would have never like worked so hard. I wouldn't have had the, like the thing in me to want, even want that so badly. Um, so it, it just totally changes how we think and how we relate to our bodies and our desires who were attracted to it. Like the whole thing, it's like all synthetic. It's like just we're a bunch of synthetic people walking around trying to like interact with each other. It's like this weird dystopia that I kind of pan out and, and observe sometimes. So I, so I was uh, just going to ask, like, do you recommend uh, women do, do like IUD, but it sounds like you, you, no pills, no IUD either. IUD no. is a problem too. Yeah. I mean, also I just think like what it's done to our, and look, I have very strong opinions. I'm not giving any medical advice to any women, but, um, thanks. I, I don't want to birth- get the show. Soon. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I think birth control has done to society at large, it's like, it's just set women so far back, like before, you know, women, women made men literally give them a diamond freaking ring before they got the cookie, you know? And now because we don't have consequences, because we've been masculinized because you know now we're thinking like men and acting like men because we're all on birth control what is it done like but now men more than probably ever view us like objects and you know we're good for sex and then on to the next and it's like do we really want that at the end of the day like women we don't want that we don't and sure if you're an empowered woman or whatever and like that's what you want to do I'm not shaming you but at the end of the day typically women we want commitment and partnership and someone to like you know, raise children with. So I just think on a macro level, it's done a lot of damage and on a micro level, it's, it's done a lot of damage. So you're in a relationship now, or, or I'm, I'm putting this out as a, uh, hypothetical. I'm not saying you are, cause I don't okay. fucking know, but <laughs> <laughs> let's say you're in a relationship now it's a committed yeah. relationship. Uh, I would expect there to be intimacy or are you a no sex till marriage type person now? Um, I'm not a no sex till marriage type person, but I'm really not like liberal sexually. Um, not to say I'm not a sexual person, but like sex, 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 like that act. Um, yeah, I think that that, I guess, I I guess what I'm getting at, I don't really want to get too personal into into that (laughs) is no, I just, I mean, what would you recommend though? Like if, if someone, is someone having sex yeah it's just condoms then is that um no so there's natural family planning um okay. there's a um a basal thermometer called the daisy d-a-y-s-y and all you do it's completely non-invasive non-hormonal you just take it at the same time every day so my friends take it when they first wake up they used it when they were trying to avoid pregnancy with their partners and then they were using it when they were trying to get pregnant so mm-hmm. it'll tell you when you're ovulating yeah. women can really only get pregnant like seven days out of the whole month because mm-hmm. there's I mean, the egg is good for like two, maybe. And then the sperm can like live in you for a certain period of time. So it will tell you what your range is and when to maybe abstain or to use condoms or whatever. Um, so just being informed about your body too can really help. Cause if you know, like, I know I, I feel more intensely when I'm ovulating. And Mm -hmm. so even just having that knowledge about your body on that level could help way more than just getting pregnant or avoiding getting pregnant. Um, it also connects to an app that you can share with your partner. So there's, there's options today, you know, that don't involve invasive hormonal birth control that just, you have a lot of consequence for. Got it. Okay. Cause yeah, I mean, so I, I usually recommend to the guys that listen to the show, you know, I make TikToks about it where I, I feel like men really should, especially if they don't want to be, uh, a single dad, they don't want to be a baby daddy. They don't want to have to be paying child support and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Like then you need to take control over your own fucking birth control and not necessarily leave it up to the woman. Like you need to provide the condoms you need to, you know, like, and if you're like, like me where, yeah. you know, you already have kids, you don't want more kids. Like then you need to go get a vasectomy. Like you need to go take care of shit yourself and not rely on her to do it. Cause there's, you know, there's women out there, uh, that 
you know, they just, they, they're, they're on the pill, but like they forget, you know, that happened to an ex-girlfriend of mine, her daughter got pregnant because she ran out of the pills and then was too lazy to go get her prescription refilled. And then she ended up having sex in between and bada yeah. bing, bada boom, she's a mom now. And, you know, it's just like, uh, I, so I tell men like, you know, women can do whatever they, they want, but you really need to, if you really don't want to be in that position, you need to take it upon yourself to figure out how to prevent that yourself. <laughs> yeah, I completely, I mean, we can only control ourselves at the end of the day. If you're yeah. like literally giving that responsibility, like the biggest thing that could change your life forever to somebody else that you don't have control over, like you're putting yourself at risk. So I totally back that logic. Oh, good. We're on the same page then. All right. Yeah. Uh, so in, in one of your videos, your TikTok videos, you talk about fixing daddy issues being a big deal on your path to uh, mm. stopping hating men. <laughs> can, can you, can you explain, uh, can you explain that a little bit there? Like, you know, what, what you did there to heal your, your issues with your, your father? Yeah. Um, First of all, I feel like this topic gets like thrown at feminists a lot or thrown at women, like daddy issues, which is unfortunate. You know, I feel like, um, I feel like dudes have daddy issues. Yeah. Thank. Okay. Thank you so much for saying that. I've been seeing that lately, like with very toxic mass talk, not toxic masculinity, like real masculinity, like men, um, like I had an altercation with a guy that was like physically intimidating me. I'm like, this is not real. Ma no truly masculine man would ever make a, a woman feel unsafe intentionally, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I, and he had like issues with his dad, whatever. So I completely agree. But, um, but yeah, with, with, with that, my, um, I love my dad. My dad is like, we have an incredible relationship now. Um, and and he was, he was a really great father growing up, but there's, there's, you know, I don't think anyone really has perfect parents and, um, you know, there was some work to do in that relationship. And when I was about, I think 27 or 28, um, I, I mean, I'd moved to Denver. I was kind of living out of New York where he and the rest of my family are. And so there was some space and, you know, I just really, forgave him for so much. I, I started humanizing him. Um, and you didn't, also you didn't view him as a human before that really, or I did, but I feel like, you know, with parents in general, they're like these kind of demigods and they're they have so much responsibility. They're like these archetypal beings that are responsible for so much but at the end of the day that we're like a planet of children raising children like my dad was 23 when he had me you know what I mean so mm -hmm. just really seeing that full picture and um I think I needed some space to kind of do that and and I, it was really once I got off of meds like once I got off of meds like I just started like healing so deeply like I just started shedding all of these layers, including belief structures that I had about my parents, you know, like just slowly started like seeing the truth of them and, and just forgiving and having like a, an adult relationship with them. Um, and once I did that and just kind of like, let it all go, it was just everything else like fell into place. I really feel like that was the majority of like the feminist thing, you know, um, once I kind of let, let all that pain or, or whatever was there, like leave, um, what was left? Like, I just stopped feeling like a victim in general. Like I just, I stopped hurting. I didn't have that pain that I was holding on to. And, um, yeah, everything kind of fell into place after, after then. So I encourage anyone to do that work. I think everyone has at least parent issues with at least one parent. So yeah, um, it's really transformational. One thing I, I wouldn't really categorize it as a daddy issue per se, but one thing mm -hmm. that like I learned, uh, or I realized about my dad, uh, over the last year and I sort of knew it, you know, but, um, I never really like put a lot of thought into it until this last year, uh, where I started reading all these books on like relationships and, mm -hmm. you know, you know, how, how men should be treating women and, and stuff like this. And I realized that we all learn relationships from our parents, right? We grow up watching them. We see how they interact. 
And so when I ended up getting married, uh, I got married like really young, like 20, like mm. an idiot and <laughs> got married and immediately treated that relationship just like my dad treated the relationship mm. with my mom, which is like, you just get super comfortable and like, this is just how life is now. You don't have to try anymore. And, you know, like mm. I already bought the cow, you know, so like, why, you know, why do, do I have to do anything? And that's really how my dad, like if I go and I hang out with my parents, they're still together, uh, mm-hmm. bless their hearts, but I feel like they're together out of spite more than anything. Uh, and they're, and they're just so old now that, you know, if they left each other and just be like, what are, what are they going to do? You know? So they're, they're stuck, but I, you know, I look at it now just going, man, that is absolutely not how relationships should go. And I don't want to be that way. And like, you know, so that's one of the things that I realized watching like my dad is, Mm. oh, I was just like him, you know, cats in the cradle. And, (laughs) and I'm like, now, now, like, now that I'm like in my, uh, my early forties, I'm like, I'm just now realizing this, like, oh shit. Is so terrifying. It's, it is terrifying. It's so terrifying. I like see my mom and me sometimes, or like my dad. And I'm just like, I am literally the product of these two humans. And there's like, <laughs> there was this, this like propense like formula for like my personality. You know, it's like how much of it is even free will if I'm just like, yeah, it's all subconscious. Yeah. So, well, so now like having realized that and having two children of my own, they're, mm-hmm. uh, you know, my daughter's 16. My, my son just turned 12 today. Uh, I'm like, I've got to teach these kids that Mm. not to be like how I was when I was with their mom and like, don't be like grandpa, like this is how you should be. And and so I'm in this sort of uh, awakening myself, you know, and I'm trying to like, oh God, I've got to show my kids the right way so that they have a much easier time, you know, at an earlier age. Yeah. That's how you break generational stuff, you know, by like waking up and then making those changes that's awesome waking their little butts up so. <laughs> so you did a you did a stitch tiktok about why men shouldn't go 50 50 on a date because you know for women to be in their feminine men must stay in their masculine you describe that as providing protection procreation and provision and i when i was listening to that i was like the three p's yeah <laughs> <laughs> So I don't know if you got that from somewhere or you made that up on the spot, but I was like, oh, that's amazing. Three Ps. So now the media really pushes the idea that women should be strong and independent, that they don't need no man uh, to provide for them. And then I even have some guys that are very like, you know, cynical, trying to weed out gold diggers in their dating life. So they're like, oh, no, I'm going to make her pay half. I'm like, that's not taking the tone or that's not setting the tone and, and taking the lead, man. You're like, yeah. I really believe that men should at the very least pay for the first two dates. And if a woman's like insisting on paying, then, okay, you can plan and pay for the third date if you want, you know, and that's, (laughs) but really I feel like the man should pay, you know? And, and so I wanted to get your, your, uh, your take on that. Like, what would you say to women that feel that they should pay and, um, what would you say to men that don't want to pay? Okay. So women who feel like they should pay, this is my logic. It costs me well over like a thousand dollars to show up on a date, like all of the time, not only money, but all the energy that I spend picking out the clothes that I then buy and then decide, like I'm, I got ready for a date. I'm going somewhere after this podcast. I tried on like four different skirts, three different tops. Like there's so much effort that goes into like the pre party, right? Like what women do before they actually show up for a date, like time, energy, that it's like the least that you could do is feed me, you know, after I'm like showing up in my fullness and, and also giving you something that you value, like men value beauty and femininity. And it, you know, we make it look very easy, but it's, takes so much time it takes me like two two and a half hours sometimes to get ready if I'm really like going all out depending on where we're going so like that's how I break it down economically um so for women I guess who are more logical you know that's how I explain it but just from like an energetic standpoint like I I just find so much harmony in masculine feminine polarity and dances and when a man pays if he's 
the right kind of man, in my opinion, like it'll make him feel more like a man to kind of take care of you. And, and not only that, but like, I was listening to a, a talk by Dr. John Gray, the, the author of um, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. And he talks about how when a man gives to a woman, his testosterone raises. And conversely, a woman's estrogen raises at the same time. And that creates a bond. So if you're not allowing a man to like give to you like that, you're inhibiting the ability for you to bond with him. Like it's, it's science, energetic, economics, like there's all of that argument. And then for men, if, if you're, I really, this might be controversial, but like, I think if a man is with a woman who is insisting on paying and does not understand her value as a woman in that way, or isn't putting in that time, or, you know, I, I feel like it's a self-worth thing sometimes, or maybe, you know, they're not clued into it or haven't thought about it, but um, to avoid those women, I feel like if you're with a very masculine woman, there's always, always going to be difficulty in your relationship there's going to be competition there's going to be control like her trying to control you there's going to be nagging and nitpicking like you don't want that like to me as a man if I was a man and I was dating and I found a woman that didn't allow me to hold the door open or didn't allow me to pay or didn't allow me to be a man I would just steer clear of it because I just don't think that that could end well if if I as a man like value the dance as well yeah that that makes sense so uh and I think a lot of the guys that listen to the podcast they've uh this podcast was basically built off of a community of guys that mm-hmm. read a book and the book's called how to be a three percent man by Corey wayne and so almost all the listeners uh have at least read that book once and there's a story in the book where Corey uh was dating this woman that was totally in her masculine she was just raised in this way where she was always the leader and stuff like that and so he would take her on dates and she would be tell him like, Oh no, turn left here, turn right here. And he'd be like, Hey, I got it. You know, I've got it planned out. And he said, Mm -hmm. it was just so much work trying to get her to relax and be in her feminine that it just was a complete turnoff for him because it it was just like, there was no polarity. So he ended up breaking it off with her. He's like, she was a great woman. She was very smart. You know, she was very driven, but it was like, I just couldn't get my head around the fact that how masculine she was. So it's such a shame. And I feel like it happens more and more. I see it with some close girlfriends, like that I think are just incredible humans and women, but, but it's like this programming. I feel like in 2021, we're so far away from, you know, when the culture really did have traditional values that it's, you know, I kind of call it, it's like a photocopy effect. If you take a book and you photocopy the book, you have that one copy that you lose the book. You have to make more copies. You photocopy the photocopy. And then it goes on and on and on until what you have is like barely legible. You know, it's kind of like everyone is at that point of like trying, you know, there is still some, you know, pure femininity out there, but I think women learning how to be women, like there's not, we're not taught how to be women. Like we kind of used to be, or these kind of skill sets that enhanced our femininity and, and how to even be in relationship with a man that used to be in magazines, you know what I mean? And you know, what to do as a new housewife, like things like that. So it's just less valued, um, which is so unfortunate because I think it's, it's causing a lot of rifts in, in relationships as you mentioned. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think yeah. it's, a lot of that sort of stuff is what's impacted like the divorce rate. I mean, it's like a, the divorce rates yeah. astronomical and stuff. I get, I don't know if you get this in any of your TikToks, but uh, I get TikToks where or I get comments in the TikToks a lot of times is from bitter women and mm. <laughs> they're like, Oh, no wonder you're single or, or are you married or, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, and when, when I get the comments about like, are you married? Uh, I always like laugh at that. Cause I'm like, marriage mm. really isn't, a, a measure of success in a relationship anymore, you know, cause lots of people yeah. get married and then they're miserable and then they end up getting divorced. Yeah. So why are you even asking me that? You know? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just like a dig. I feel like trolls online, better women and men will just, for me, it's like my appearance. They'll say I'm a two out of 10, like, you know, so I feel like they just try to find love. I'll get, I'll get digs like that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm, at, I'm at least 11. <laughs> I just thank them. I said, thank you so much. I really needed that today. Yeah. Thanks for knocking me down a peg. I needed that. My ego was was needed a check. So so I, I, speaking of marriage and divorce and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So um, me having been through a bad divorce and having to Mm -hmm. have 
having to have paid uh, gobs of money and alimony, you know, I can sort of see why uh, some of these guys are bitter towards like marriage and, and stuff in general. And it's, it's one of the reasons why I would never get married again without like a prenup and separate banking accounts. So, you know, a lot of that being said, a lot of your videos talk about wanting to find a traditional male provider. Uh, so you can eventually, you know, be a stay at home mom, be in that traditional role. Um, do you think the divorce rate being so high and the courts being so unfavorable to men in, in divorce these days that it's harder to find a man willing to do that? I think it's a good question because I do hear this rhetoric a lot on the internet. Um, and I'm not invalidating that divorce sucks and it really sucks for men. Like I, I oh, would, do yeah, no, <laughs> I, I, I mean, you would know more than me, but I'm, my parents got divorced and what happened to my father during that time was just horrific looking back. Um, he, like we were taken away from him. My mom brainwashed all of us to hate him. We didn't speak to him for months and months. The court ordered that. And like, she was just giving so many lies and money. It was just like a nightmare. But I, I use the case of my dad as just an example of like eight years later after that, just night, it was traumatic for him. Like I'm sure um, he's now remarried to a beautiful woman. She's younger. And, and I've never seen him so happy in my life. Like he's literally the happiest that I've ever seen him. So I, while I do think that, yes, like protect yourselves. I, totally an advocate for prenups. I'm not going to get married without one. Um, smart. I think it yeah. protects, it protects both it absolutely people. absolutely protects. Yeah. A thousand percent. So, um, so, but it's just, it's not, I, I think really finding a true life partner is so valuable and there's a lot of, you know, stats to support that. And, you know, I, I just, I don't think that it's just a lost cause of the whole you know, finding a life partner thing should be thrown out the window. Now, whether you want to like, you know, put it on paper and involve the government is up to you. Um, I haven't figured out a way to like stay protected myself without involving the government um, in a long-term partnership, like a marriage. But um, yeah. And also, you know, for me, as far as finding them, I think with higher, and this is not a dig to anyone, but just my dad is, is very high earning with the higher earning got men that I date. A lot of them, you know, that they are looking for that. Like they're not, they're not kind of scared of it. And I think either they have prenups and they, they know the game, they have the lawyers or they have the money that if they did, you know, lose some, it wouldn't really knock them um, on their ass. So uh, I think that they're less kind of afraid of it. And a lot of the, the, you know, my dad's friends, for example, like a lot of them have second wives. Um, I've just met a lot of guys with, that have gotten remarried and get multiple wives. Got it. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, second really wife, but you mean, you mean they, they're divorced and they got divorced. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, are they Mormon or <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> okay. We could have that conversation. I've been thinking about that, how that's probably more a natural order than just. Oh my God. I, uh, we could touch on that for a second. Yeah. I, uh, when I was married and miserable, my mm. now ex-wife was really into that show, big love. Mm, okay do you are yeah you with it i am and, yeah and uh i just remember sitting there in that show going how could he deal with this bullshit like, <laughs> like I'm, i have a hard time can't with, handle one <laughs> i can't i can't deal with your you know your problems and your nagging all the time like i don't want two more yeah yeah <laughs> but I, I feel like i don't know I, I don't think it's quite like that in uh in, in those types of religions because i feel like those women are more are raised a little more traditional Exactly. So, I think in like the in, in, um, Muslim communities and like more re religious communities, there totally is in more of a, you know, you honor natural order and femininity, masculinity a little bit more than maybe our culture yeah. today. So maybe, yes. so maybe it's not as bad as maybe you know, just become a Mormon, Paul. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm close enough to Utah. I'm close <laughs> enough. I might, I might want it. They're always hi they're hiring. They're <laughs> they're coming to my door <laughs> they're coming to my door all the time uh, okay so now you were in the comment section of one of my videos and so in, in one of my videos or actually a lot of my videos in fact i just did one today and 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 what i i, I tell men a lot and it comes straight from how to be a three percent man the book mm -hmm. 
is that it's not the man's job to bring up relationship stuff. And mm -hmm. I found this like just personally, because I was always the guy trying to put a label on shit. I was always the guy, like, you know, if I started dating a, a, a woman and I really liked her, you know, maybe if, if we've seen each other for a few weeks, I was just like, so where's this going and stuff like that. And that would always turn them off. And mm. in the book, they, it, it, they explain it. Uh, Corey explains it where that oftentimes men, men are very visual. So mm -hmm. we can fall in love like immediately. Like you walk in the room, you have that sachet, you got your hair done up and stuff like we're immediately like, okay, we're all in. We we're already, we're already like imagining having babies, like what the white picket fence wow. is like, do, is it a, is a slight off white fence? I don't know, but we're picturing all this stuff immediately, you know, after we're, we've just met. Whereas women, mm -hmm. they need, uh, they're, they're not quite there yet. They, they need mm -hmm. to have their, they need to be emotionally invested a little bit uh, before they, you know, they fall in love and stuff. So that oftentimes takes a little bit longer for women, whereas men are just like, I'm done. Like, like I, you, you had me at hello, you know? And, <laughs> and so, so in the book, he says like, look, too many guys rush into that and it turns women off. So he recommends just provide the fun, take her out on dates, be consistent, you know, have fun, hang, hang out, have fun, hook up. He talks about, and then he said, you know, typically around the, you know, date or week seven, seven or six or seven, uh, that's when she's going to start. If she's there, if she's mentally there and she's already mm -hmm. thinking about a relationship, like she's thinking about it, that's when she'll start bringing it up. And she usually will bring it up very subtly, you know, like, you know, we've been seeing each other for a while. Like, where is this going and stuff like that? Mm -hmm. And so he says, that's when like, you can't even assume that she even wants a relationship. Then you need to pry it out of her. You know, <laughs> you have to say, hmm. well, what do you mean? You know, what do you mean by that? And so that's where I talk about that. And one of the, mm -hmm. one of your comments, you were like, no, men need to bring it up. And I just mm -hmm. wanted to know your point on that. Well, with all that context, yeah. I, I actually agree with you, okay. but, uh, up to a point. So I, um, we do need time. Like there's like a lot of little tests that we do and a lot of like things that we see and we need to, you know, time builds trust. We get to get a feel for your character, what it's like to like be around you. Um, but the way I see it is like men, are the pursuers you're the hunters so I'm not ever gonna like like I I feel like and men are independent and so I would never want to like control a man or um you know move the needle if he didn't want to move the needle like you guys are the leaders and so if I'm going to trust you to lead me in this relationship I'm not going to be the one to like move the needle I think that maybe there's like feminine ways you know if you're picking up signs that she is into it if like she's saying we, you know, and, and it is around week seven, eight, like there's time. It's not like week three or date two or three, you know, um, See, men I, are retarded though. I'm men not. are retarded <laughs> and we will at week three go. So like, you know, I'm not dating anybody. Are you dating anybody? If you're not dating anybody, maybe we should be, maybe we should put a label on this. So I just, yeah, <laughs> I feel like stupid. that, <laughs> well, it's not stupid. Like the, the thing is like, we like it. Like we like to feel desired. We like to know that like you are in, into it and like all in, like that feels good for us, but, but like then giving us the space to discern and test and do, you know, vibe checks before we kind of take ourselves off the market. Um, this is why I kind of like rotational dating. So like no one really comes off the market without a proposal, first so you know everyone's kind of dating and um there's no because it is it's like if I come off the market for you now I'm taking away that time that I could be spending with other people or like working towards my future and securing my future um but if so all that pressure you're talking about like dating multiple people yeah 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 we yeah. call it spinning plates women call spinning it plates. yeah Love women it. women just call it dating uh men call it spinning plates <laughs> It's funny though. I never used to date like this. Like I, mm, you know, I was, I was more like one at a time, but it's just not as efficient. It's <laughs> so, not I'm, yeah. I'm glad that you bring it up because uh, yeah. I mean, like, so yeah, my whole life it was 
oh, I like this one girl and I'm going to put all my time and energy into her. And then like, you know, when she blows me off or whatever, like all of a sudden I'm heartbroken. Now shit, I'm going to start all over again. And that's, that's how I spent my whole life dating until I started reading these books. And I was just like, wait a minute, dating multiple women. Like that always seemed like such a headache, but it's way easier. Way easier. Cause you have more emotional control, you know, like now you're not so heartbroken. You just like go to the next one. Yeah, And yeah, it keeps you like logical too. And like more removed, not in like a emotionally detached way, but just, you know, like you're not married to this person. I feel like another thing with modernity is that it's like stripped away the the value that we used to have on marriage and lifelong partnership replace them with all these like small relationships throughout a lifetime that just lead to so much trauma and heartbreak and whatever but it's not natural like I don't think you know I don't want to be in a relationship for the rest of my life just like hanging out (laughs) you know I'd like to move on with my life and start families and whatnot so they used to like um, date on rosters and they wouldn't come off the market or like if someone was going steady, they were technically still on the market and they could still date other people. They were just consistently dating one person. Um, so much better, more efficient approach, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Especially uh, you see a lot of videos or I see a lot of videos too on like people getting ghosted and they're, they're heartbroken because yeah. someone got ghosted. And I'm like, I don't give a shit because like it, I'm usually texting like, you know, three or four women at a time. Oh, this yeah. one stopped texting me. I, I don't care. I've got these <laughs> yeah. other two. Like whatever, yeah. man. Whatever. Your loss. So <laughs> yeah. Um. So we're um, we're at an hour here. So let me ask you just one one last question. We'll wrap up. Yeah. Uh. One of the best themes that you have consistently in your videos is to stop being a victim, mm. and I love that. I uh, instead of people holding themselves accountable, you know, they want to blame others. I you see so many like videos on how everyone's a fucking narcissist these days. Like now everyone's yeah. a narcissist. <laughs> so like, and we see it in, in just many areas of our lives these days. And the media seems to want to put everyone into victim groups. Mm-hmm. How do you think we can wake more people up and snap more people out of a victim mindset? Hmm. Well, I think that, um, unfortunately, the truth about being a victim is that it could be quite addicting, addictive to the body. You know, these feelings of like, oh, everything's happening to me. It's a very disempowered state. You know, you don't really have to work towards anything. So I think a lot of people are choosing to, to stay there, you know, even if there's content kind of calling it out or whatnot. Like, and I've, I've had it with some friends that I used to have that we grew apart because it just, uh, there's too much, um, disalignment or or misalignment, but, um, people don't want to change a lot of the time. So, but for the people who do want to change, I think it's really important to like, I call it planting seeds. Like, I think when I open my mouth and just talk about my experience, like talking about how I used to hate men and this is what I did to not hate men. And now I'm way happier. That's anecdotal evidence. That's compelling. It's like someone who hates men and knows they hate men is hearing that even if they don't act on it right away, it's planting a little seed um, in their brain. So I think just really speaking out about your experiences, speaking out about how you used to be in your marriage and just kind of like letting it happen to you versus taking control and now empowering yourself with knowledge. Like that's all so powerful. And the people who want to hear you and who are on the path of really wanting to, to be better and feel better and do better, um, we'll hear that. So that, that could be really powerful. Well said, well said. All right, everybody, you can follow Morgan on TikTok. I'm going to put a link to her TikTok channel in the show notes. I'll probably put a link to her blog on there if she, and if she ever uh, updates it. You guys <laughs> I'll <can> update it. <laughs> <laughs> you can check it out. But no, definitely check her out on TikTok. She has some really compelling videos. Uh, is there anything else you want to plug, Morgan? Uh, no, that's it. The site, TikTok, find me on Instagram, at the Morgan May, uh, everywhere. And thanks so much for having me, Paul. This is excellent. All right. I'm glad you, I'm glad you, uh, you liked it. You had, you had some really good insights. Thank you. All right. I will see you on the TikToks. <laughs> see you I don't know if you heard that. That was my dog. She's making all sorts of noises over here. But <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Morgan. Morgan, thanks again for joining me. Uh, it was a very interesting interview. And uh, I just want to say thanks for getting back to me when I asked you what your availability is. There are some other female TikTok 
creators that I've reached out to and uh, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, sure. I'll come on the podcast. Yeah, I'd love to. And I'm like, oh, great. Perfect. What's your availability? And then fucking crickets or, you know, I'll ask them their availability and then they'll take three fucking weeks to get back to me. It's like, look, I don't need you on here that bad, but you, you're just a gem to work with. You got back to me immediately. You're very open and um, I appreciate that. So you have an open invitation to come back anytime you want. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Otherwise, uh, we'll catch you next week. Thank you for listening to Come On, Man. If you're new to the podcast, I highly recommend reading How to Be a 3% Man by Corey Wayne at least 10 to 15 times. I recommend you watch his coaching videos on YouTube, and I recommend that you engage with other 3% men in our 3% Man Facebook group. Links to all of these are in the show notes. If you like this episode, please give us a good rating on your podcast platform of choice and share with all of your bros. Now go out and get it.